Welcome to the ACCA podcast, your resource to stay informed about cloud computing in Asia. This show is brought to you by the Asia Cloud Computing Association, and your host is Omid. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to our cloud computing podcast. I'm Omid, cloud computing evangelist, keeping you informed about what's going on in Asia's cloud ecosystem. This one's called Cloud Still a Tough Sell. My guest today is David Rosengrave. David has been in the IT and telco industry for over 10 years and was instrumental in rolling out Verizon Terramark's cloud computing strategy for APAC, where he was a cloud specialist, evangelist, and headed up the Cloud Center of Excellence. Based in Singapore, he's currently spending his time working with a number of innovative tech startups in the cloud computing space. Hello, David. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Amit, and uh, thank you very much for having me on the show. I think last time we met was at Microsoft uh, Singapore office, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was it was good to see you um, down there in Singapore, Amit. And I have to admit, they probably have one of the best views in Singapore. Absolutely. There's not many uh, IT companies that have been left in, in the middle of Singapore City, so Microsoft are doing well with their, their building there. It's been taken over by the financial organizations these days, I think. That's right. By the way, you folks are still uh, dealing with the haze or it's gone? Well, we're doing fine in Singapore, uh, thank you, with the, with the big haze. But uh, I think a lot of it's pushed up, up your way to KO, is that right? Yeah, we kind of had to deal with the haze for a couple of weeks. Uh, not anymore, thank God. All right, David, uh, I'm going to start our interview today by asking you this question. It seems to me that there's still a lot of skepticism when it comes to a cloud purchase here in Asia. Uh, I can't believe we're still talking about this. One would assume that uh, we should be past that point and probably should be talking about issues around integration, cost, you know, general trends, that sort of thing. But the reality on the ground suggests that uh, we're still dealing with those kinds of uh, doubts, uh, myths, and misunderstandings. Uh, what's your take on this? Yeah, you're right. Um, absolutely. I, I, it's a pretty broad question, right? As we know, and, and you've raised uh, on some of your previous shows, there's a lot of different types of clouds and there's a lot of different types of Asian consumers, whether we're talking enterprise or or other in Asia. Um, you know, this is one of the biggest challenges we have, that, that diversity in our region. So um, absolutely, I think there has been some um, skepticism and, and it's still there, but I think it's now probably changing from skepticism into slow adoption. Uh, so what I mean there is that I think we've seen skepticism everywhere, right? We've seen it in the US and we've seen it in Europe um, and, and it's starting to change and we're seeing the same here, but absolutely into your point, we're still not getting the aggressive take up in Asia is what we would all like, and and I think we're still um, we're still probably falling behind the US and EMEA in terms of, of of the take up rates out in this region. So so that's a real question then, right? Is is why? Yeah, absolutely, David. And and for our audience, uh, we're doing some extraordinary work in our uh, SME working group around addressing that why question, uh, talking about cloud uptake, uh, hurdles, uh, encouragements, government incentives, that type of thing. My next question is about sell cycles, David. I want to know, uh, in your experience, is there a distinct difference between sell cycles when it comes to uh, cloud-based solutions? Because uh, I can... Uh, according to my experience, uh, they're relatively longer. What, what do you think? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, I think it does depend on the type of cloud that you're selling. And from my experiences, um, it's a type of cloud, the type of customer that you're actually selling the cloud to and what the customer is using the cloud computing uh, platform for. So, for instance, I think you're seeing some of the cloud providers that are targeting uh, application development and app testing and then have got, say, credit card portals on their website to enable you to um, sign up for their cloud services, then you know, the sales cycle there, right, it's, it's designed from the outset to be, to be um, very fast and a very small sales cycle. On the other hand, and a lot of the engagements that I've been involved in have been the larger um, uh, public and private uh, and even some of the hybrid cloud um, engagements. And this is really where we're engaging with enterprise to replace either their existing IT infrastructure or complement existing IT infrastructure or indeed um, software with, with cloud computing. And, and yeah, the sales cycles along there, I think they always have been right for enterprise in terms of their software decisions and their IT infrastructure decisions. But they're probably made even a little bit longer in this instance because they've got some new factors to take into account. So whether they're um, around compliance, regulatory compliance, for instance, or indeed that it's, it's just a different way for that enterprise to procure services and they need to take that into account. But there's, there's definitely some additional factors there which can then slow the sales cycle down a little bit uh, further. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of pass, uh, let's uh, focus on a question that is being uh, talked about in a lot of cloud forums. And this is food for thought for developers and IT departments uh, uh, in organizations. Uh, do you see value in private pass? Because a lot of folks are actually opting to use a uh, private platform or service where they can actually do their development and testing uh, behind firewalls uh, of their environment. Uh, what kind of benefits do you see in that? And and do you, do you find it valuable? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, as we're seeing the cloud industry evolve, we're seeing these different new models evolve, right? It's, they're, they're maturing and we're getting um, different services evolving for, for the different requirements of, of different organisations. So for, for some organisations, maybe they're a financial institution, et cetera, then um, then, you know, maybe that's the way they need to go. But I think the really interesting thing that we're seeing with all of these different models is that we're seeing uh, a lot of customers um, really determining that they need a combination of these different platforms. So they may say, okay, you know what, for some development, we can actually use a public platform as a service. In fact, there are some specific benefits to doing that, i.e. if we're working with some external developers, et cetera, then we may not want that uh, development work done uh, inside our firewalls. Then they may say, okay, for our real uh, core applications that we're just developing uh, internally, uh, we don't want we don't want anyone else to be able to see that. We want to do that all of all of that internally, and we'll and we'll do that inside our firewalls, and we'll do a private platform as a service. Now the really interesting part of part of all of this is then getting these different environments and these different platforms to be able to work together, um, and and 
yeah, potentially being able to move data between the different platforms um, and certainly to be able to get some synergies out of the different platforms that are set up. Yeah, very true. A lot of different cloud models emerging every day. Uh, my next question is is around centers of excellence, David. And I'm asking you this because I know you've been involved in setting up and running a center of excellence uh, before. So uh, some people believe that using centers of excellence within organizations for cloud computing kind of, you know, kicking tire purposes is wrong because it represents cloud computing as a technology, whereas uh, the notion of cloud computing as a technology does not really uh, represent the true potential and, and the reality of cloud computing because it's actually a delivery model and, and not, a, not a technology per se. Um, so the idea of, of setting up and running centers of excellence for cloud computing within organizations has its uh, you know, advocates and folks who uh, disapprove of. Uh, what is your take on this? Do you think these centers of excellence actually contribute to uh, a better cloud deployment uh, within organizations? Yeah, it's a really good point. Thanks, Ahmed. And, and I know there's been uh, some criticism around organizations that have been setting up center of excellence to foster cloud computing within their organization, with the criticism being that, well, actually, they don't foster uh and enable cloud computing to actually slow it down because first they try and define exactly what is cloud computing and, and they really try and regulate that. I'm actually of um, the other view in, and in fact I'm a fan in terms of using center of excellences inside organizations to, to indeed enable, um, enable cloud. I think it's all down to how the center of excellence is actually run. So it, it, it does, it needs to be an enabler and, and not a, an inhibitor. But I think by saying, well, if we if we set up this uh, this team that helps define it and and guide it, etc., it's it's it just slows it down. It's it's too much work, etc., and um, and it really goes against the ethos of cloud. I, I think that's a little bit akin to saying, well, um, you know, you'd be much quicker to just jump out on the road in a car without all of these road rules, etc. But yeah, sure, you 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 would be quicker. To, uh, to be able to get out on the road if, if we had no road rules to learn. But uh, you'd have a bit of a mess in, in a couple of months down the track when all your neighbours are also learning to drive. So, no, I think if you if you can put some good guidelines in place, then um, ultimately you're going to end up with some with a cloud computing strategy that um, that is there for the, for the long run. And the organisation is really going to be able to benefit from that um, over time. But as I said, I think it's, it's, all, it's all all down to how that CLE is run. Yeah. I'm actually not um, so much a... I don't think the centre of excellences need to necessarily be a permanent fixture. I see them really, really good for setting up and establishing practices, practices and, and fostering that transformation. But at some stage, you know, that, that should become business as usual. And the practices and, and the methodologies that the CLE have put in place, that should ultimately then be adopted and absorbed by that traditional or the larger organisational structure. I think otherwise, you know, if you look, if you take it to the extreme, in five years' time, you're going to end up with um, an organisation with so many COEs that they would just trip over each other, mm, which, would, which would, you'd have a big data COE, you'd have your mobility COE, you'd have your next, next big thing, trademark uh, COE, whatever that may be, et cetera. 
Yeah, David, we're on the same page on this. And, and I certainly see value in terms of excellence. Uh, but, it, but it all comes down to figuring out how these centers of excellence actually work together and what the outcomes of these uh, can do to complement each other. Like uh, if you have a big data, like you said, uh, center of excellence, and then you have a software-defined network center of excellence, uh, because these disruptive technologies and new trends are very interrelated, um, it's, it's, uh, it's of great importance to be able to, to manage these many entities within the organization to get the best result. Otherwise, they're just headaches. They slow down the process. Um, yeah. I, yeah. You know, there's, there's an argument. Some people say, well, hang on. Cloud computing, um, it's nothing new. It's the same technology that we've always used, i.e. servers, storage, um, security, etc. cetera. Uh, we're just using it in a different way. So, so we don't need new guidelines, um, et cetera, to, to, to help us use that technology. We're already doing that. But, but there is a big difference with cloud computing, and that is there's a difference in, in the way that we're using some of those technologies. And indeed, for some organizations, there are new technologies um, per se that are, that are introduced into the organization um, through the adoption of cloud. So, but, but certainly in the way that these technologies are used, it, it can be different. New service models and new procurement models um, and, and, you know, they really need to be taken in, into account um, from an enterprise perspective before they're adopted properly and for that adoption to really flourish. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, my next question is uh, very Asia-focused. As you know, our, our show is very Asia-focused. So I want to ask you this. Uh, in your experience here in Asia, uh, does anything stand out? I mean, when you think about it, does anything stand out uh, when it comes to dealing with Asian customers and and uh, cloud users? Uh, actually, it's funny when you say that. The for me, the really interesting part of working with cloud computing in Asia has been that it's really enabled us to work with um, different areas of a customer business. So, the, so the interesting engagement that we've had or that I've been involved with, have been the engagements where we've now no longer been working with the traditional IT teams, that we've been working with um, teams out of marketing organisations, for instance. Um, and that's that's been a real breath of, of fresh air, certainly for myself. And it's um, amazing to see different parts of the business now really having an impact and, and driving some of these IT decisions. So, you know, the specific example I'm, I'm thinking of we had a, actually we we had a um, quite a strong relationship with the IT team within this customer, and we saw an opportunity where we believed that cloud com- computing could assist their business because we knew that there were a couple of um, business problems in regards to the um, performance of some of the applications. And whereas we went to the IT team, we, we they really didn't have the processes in place to be able to act um, on this and, and, and put in place the cloud computing solution. However, when we spoke to the marketing team who were actually getting impacted um, by this, our kind of a marketing slash um, product team, and, and their product was, was getting impacted by the performance of this application, they were then able to drive the change through the organisation. And I think that's really interesting that we're seeing that now um, take place through yeah through through cloud computing. 
Very interesting point right there, David. Uh, different departments now getting getting involved in in the whole process because that is the essence of abstraction of technology here. People are beginning to understand that uh, as technology advances, uh, we are more result oriented, innovation oriented, and as a marketing department, uh, when I understand that, you know, deploying a big data or data analytics or, you know, a Hadoopy type of thing uh, within the IT department can provide me with a lot of insight as to uh, what market is doing and what my customers are actually talking about, then uh, you become a driver of, of cloud adoption within the organization. And that's very interesting. Just uh, cloud computing just makes it easier now for um, to well, it's it's, it's almost um, commoditizing IT, or it's helping with that commoditization of IT, That's right. um, and, and really help get you know new platforms and new applications and everything set up, and and helps um, organisations or whether it's teams within organisations um, get things to market a lot quicker, and I, and I think that's one of the really interesting parts of, of cloud computing. Certainly, David. I mean, time to market, one of the biggest advantages of cloud computing for sure. Uh, now I'm going to wrap up this episode by a look in the future, David, and ask you this question about the trends we're uh, beginning to see, one of which is IT in a box, where you actually subscribe to a service without having to recruit your own IT team, come up with IT equipments, uh, just have other people take care of it. Uh, well, obviously, if you're a startup, that's a that's an obvious choice. But uh, when it comes to enterprises, we're beginning to see that they're looking into this. Uh, how far do you think we are from a point where uh, interoperability is just uh, so good that we can, as an enterprise, subscribe to a service, a pre-developed bundle of services, just put it in our architecture, and go ahead with it? How far do you think we are from that point? Well, I think that's a that's a nice vision. I'm not sure that it's um, it's, it's quite around the next corner just yet, but um, maybe for smaller organisations, I think you know we're seeing that happen. The whole IT in the box context, certainly for startups and, and smaller businesses, um, yeah, seems to be realistic. But I think for the larger business, we're seeing really you, you still need. Um, smart IT guys, but it's it's a lot of those IT skills are perhaps what um, are actually changing. So you know the type of IT skills you need and and um, what those resources are actually focused on, I think is is what we're seeing already change um, for larger organisations to really incorporate cloud computing and and, and get the most out of it. Um, they really need to change the way that they're procuring IT and then uh, managing IT. Yeah, great stuff. Thank you very much, David Rosengrave, for being on our show today. Well, thanks a lot, Eamon, and thanks for having me uh, once again on, on the podcast. Um, I'm a great supporter of the, of the podcast. I think it's a really good vehicle to be able to get the message out in terms of cloud computing for, uh, for APAC. So, yeah, thank you. My pleasure, and thank you everybody for listening to another episode of Azure Cloud Computing Association's podcast. Please visit our website, www.asiacloud.org, where you can find very interesting work on Asia's cloud ecosystem. Uh, you can follow uh, David on Twitter. Uh, his Twitter handle is at David Rosengrave. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at uh, Omid Cloud. That's O M I D. 
C-L-O-U-D. And also, please follow my blog uh, at Tumblr called Cloud Computing Asia. Uh, see you in the next episode. This is Omid. Over and out.